Oh, oh, one more thing. Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris, and on this episode of the podcast, we'll be discussing Murder is a Parlor Game. Originally broadcast March 1st, 1979, directed by Don Medford and written by five people, literally, which is not a promising sign for a 48-minute show. <sighs> also, it's starring Donald Pleasance, Ian Abercrombie, Lily Hayden, Henry Jones, Joe Baker... And, of course, the refrigerator-shaped cop from Gimme a Break. And also, of course, Kate Mulgrew as Mrs. Columbo. And each time we're joined by a special guest, this time we have two returning guests. The writing and crime-fighting couple of Jennifer Wright and Daniel Kibblesmith. But before we bring them on, John, why did you burn your rubber? Uh, everybody else was doing it. Let me, uh, I'm sure I have the answer. I just need to brush all the dust off my computer real quick. There we go. Yeah, actually, we're done at least since uh, 2007 or so. So, yeah, it's been some time. <laughs> I think our last episode might have been July. Anyway. And, and, and we reward our audience, uh, with air quotes, with a Mrs. Columbo. And so we're actually doing the darn <laughs> show. That's the, anyway, go ahead, please. Welcome Sorry. to Just One More Thing. Please endure the following. Yeah. Uh, RJ, I'd like to welcome you to wet, dark, cold, dismal Los Angeles, dreariest city on what is certainly America's West Coast, coast which is where I'm sure they filmed this. Uh, bring a jacket. It's to these sodden, dowdy climbs that former <laughs> Scotland Yard inspector Ian Morley retires to concentrate on his writing career and to brutally condescend to full-grown women on the ladies' lunch club circuit. Morley's authorial debut celebrates murderers who got away with it, like O.J. Simpson or capitalism or himself. <laughs> yep. Morley is actually the murderer of one of the victims in his very own book, Why the Ruddy Cheek of It Mate, Proper Legend, Banksy. That arrogance puts him in the sights of the man falsely accused of the murder, Carlisle. Sanders. And, what's that? Sanders. Sanders, sorry. Uh, accused of the murder, Sanders, and who has been presumed dead low these many years. He rents one of those small English manors you see everywhere in Los Angeles and lures Morley into his sights only to be fatally distracted by Morley's fumbling patter and a trick pen that shoots mace. Ooh, somebody orders from the back pages of Starlog. <laughs> Morley, Morley accidentally kills Carlisle in the ensuing uh, struggle. Sanders. Sanders. Oh, I'm so sorry. Morley accidentally kills Sanders in the ensuing struggle, which sets the timeline right. I mean, he was presumed dead. Now he's for sure dead. This is like an episode of Quantum Leap. Despite being handed literally the most exculpatory narrative ever given to a Columboverse killer, Morley dashes around the apartment staging, let's be kind and say he was setting up some red herrings to confuse the cops and also the viewers. Because if that's not the answer, then nothing he did made sense. It was pure crazy person times. He burned a rubber shoe in the fire, and he faked a call to a suicide hotline, and those are just two of the less stupid things he does while hiding and fabricating evidence. Anyway, Mrs. Columbo merely appears in his line of sight at one point, like she always does, and Morley <laughs> responds to the gentle, impish pressure by sweating so hard and so constantly that light refracts around him. And and then it sort of ends up in Los Angeles's bustling British music hall scene, Core Wizard Blimey. And I forgot to mention that no one in the episode has ever seen a Rembrandt painting or a shadow before, including our heroine, Mrs. Columbo. Can she solve the mystery of Carlisle's murder? What mystery? He practically signed it. RJ? Oh, boy. So, hey, <laughs> welcome back for this, guys. Yeah. Hey, hey, hi. 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 How, how, how have you folks been? How's it been going? It's been good. good. Yeah. Uh, we, we 
uh, moved and uh, oh nice and got a, a, a television installed and uh, oh so you could watch, watch this what, so what, what, watch a, Columbo. What, what, what a great use for this for your new television set this thing this thing yeah, we, uh, really took it for a spin gosh yeah this sure <laughs> was an episode so so can yeah. i can i uh, i want to say at the start um if you have a podcast on iTunes, uh, for the folks who do that, uh, they actually have this kind of nice tool uh, where you can actually look at the episode. And they show you this graph. It gives you the timeline of the entire episode, and it shows you how many people listen to it on the average of the people who listen to it. And you have this line, and it goes down and up compared to when people just kind of dropped out, stopped listening to it, or just kept with it. And the last time we did one of these, the moment... <laughs> We uh, mentioned it's a Mrs. Columbo episode. Uh, we lost 85% of the people <laughs> at that moment. So I'm, I'm really guessing, even though we haven't done one of these in a long time, I, I'm guessing uh, we're going to have that exact same sort of fall-off. And if we do, I'll take a screen grab and put it up there on the, uh, the Tumblr and the Twitter uh, website. But uh, that aside, uh, let's discuss this uh, episode of Mrs. Columbo starring Donald Pleasance. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because I do think that the real mystery here, uh, more mysterious than anything on this episode, is why Mrs. Columbo is so much worse than Columbo. Like, <laughs> but so here's fun. what do you mean? Like, in like what because capacity? I think she's good. I think she's fun to watch. Oh, we, like we've talked about this. We, we... Housewife who works at a weekly newspaper. Oh That's yes, fun. yes, you've got um, that exactly. We, we, we've this is the third, I think, one of these we've talked about. And mm-hmm. this, as a TV show by itself, where it has nothing to Columbo, where you've got Kate Mulgrew in the 70s, a single mother who works for a newspaper, discovers mysteries in her uh, suburban neighborhood, like the hidden underbelly of all this terrible stuff. That's a compelling show. I want to see yeah. that. But I'll watch to... Murder, She Wrote. That's basically the same thing. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Just but... this network of improbably wise uh people including a child yes uh, yeah. right <laughs> yeah without Punch the columbo stuff hands. this would be a heck of a show i think people would still be talking about today but with the columbo stuff it just yeah you know we yeah. i was telling you before we started recording that i've been looking at the actual uh clips and reviews of mrs columbo oh, from right. the era and there's a fascinating arc which is before the show debuts, there's a lot of um, uh, press releases just being reprinted, but there are occasional editorials being very excited for the show. Yeah, I was very excited when you told me about this. Oh, <laughs> oh Well, I think you're going to follow the same the arc. Yeah. yeah. And uh, no, I will never watch this again, and I'm a little angry. <laughs> made to watch this one. Angry? Oh, well, that's no. all we can, that's all we can ask. That's oh, all we can ask. Defense of this episode, it was only seven minutes long. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was over before we did it. Yeah, we had a Scrabble game going, and I glanced up, and I could not believe that it was over. (laughs) As near as I can tell, nothing actually. Well, he threw his rubber in the fire. Sure. He burned his shoe. Right, like when you're going to That's like half of it. Yeah. That is, I, I do have to admit that when I first watched this, I did drop out immediately after that scene because I was so furious. Oh, really? <laughs> I was so, like, clearly, okay, here's why. Okay. So, in the entire history of the Columbo verse, and this is like a pocket dimension or something, 
no killer has ever been handed a better alibi. Oh, yeah, this is good. This guy was, had a silver platter of just, you could uh, leave and uh, he's fine. Yeah. Yeah, a killer shows up who was profiled in your book and tries to murder you, and all you have to say is, oh, he was furious that I He was profiled, profiled in my book. book. Right. Yeah. Ta-da, was, and then yeah, I used my... He was wearing a fake beard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't recognize him. There was an obvious struggle implying self-defense. Yeah. Yep. Right? And an an ex-cop. An ex-cop. I teach women self-defense classes, and I was able to use the skills that I know to fend off a would-be killer. Right. (laughs) But instead of that, he kills the dude. So poorly organized. Yeah. He's immediately like, well, the first thing I have to do is move some paintings around. And even yeah. that kills. I have a list, by the way, of, of everything he did in the order he did it. And it's it is like if you saw a notebook with all of this written in it, you would find that person and put him in jail. But but here's a weird thing, too. Like all the time. They, uh, let's come back around because, I mean, uh, our listeners, because uh, they're surely going to want to check our work on this. This episode <laughs> is available on YouTube. You can watch the entire thing on there because uh, I don't think anybody gives two fucks less about the rights to this thing anymore. Um, I think I somehow made money watching this. I yes, think. exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so you have uh, Donald Pleasance. He's this ex-Scotland Yard detective, and he is summoned to this apartment building that has huge old English manor houses within it in Los Angeles. And Britain. Yes, it's Wee Britain. I, I, have the, I have that written down. Wee Britain. Yeah, it's in that, that yeah, district of Los Angeles. Yeah, like that's the only thing that was missing from the post-murder scene was a little Mary Poppins flying through. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. So, yeah, we we um, couldn't figure out why Mr. no one was interrupting because it appeared to be some kind of like a like a social club or like a. I, I mean, to me, it a just, museum. Yeah, it also <laughs> plays in to the idea that this man is a murderer. Like, if you. Uh, if you called the police in Los Angeles on the phone and you were like, I wrote about this man in my book. He tried to murder me. Look at where he's living. Right. That should be enough to be yeah. like, this is clearly Dan of an evil yeah. man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the guy what called instant. him to his house, or called him the place he was renting, rather, and wearing a very bad fake mustache and beard to the point where this career Scotland Yard detective could not recognize it's the same guy he'd seen you know, maybe 15 years before wants to kill him there's a struggle, he's accidentally murdered and then, yeah, Donald Pleasanton has to cover up this murder which he would be able to have just get away with with no problem whatsoever but what does he do, John? What does he do? Here, there? here we go, here yes. we go <clears throat> Do we do we mention, by the way, this is over the murder of a prostitute that apparently Morley had been seeing and also the Carlisle Sanders had been seeing? I don't know. I don't know if that was it, though. <laughs> I, I, know, gotta, so no, I, I have a theory. I have a theory about that because it, this episode spends so much time on the thing you're about to go through that they don't bother explaining why the murder happened previously that the entire thing hinges on. They they spent like they they spent the 48 minutes of network mm-hmm. television they had like 20 of it on this as opposed to justifying the past that built anyway but yeah i've got a theory yeah. about that but anyway go ahead so uh so here's what we've got uh the uh. the killer removes his uh, pulls the gun and removes his makeup uh morley that's donald pleasance's character uh does some rambling patter fumbles with his pen which is secretly a mace pen 
shoots Carlisle Sanders in the face, who really overreacts to Mace, fires one bullet into uh, into the wall, uh, the far wall, and then they begin to struggle. The gun goes off a second time, I think, from what I can see, in Carlisle Sanders' gut, and he drops to the chair and dies. Morley puts the gun on the couch. He puts his overcoat back on. He collects a stack of evidence that Carlisle slash Sanders had and burns it in the fireplace, puts his cap back on the mace pen. The gun suddenly is on the table. I don't know how. He runs up a stairwell, removes a small painting, takes it downstairs and hangs it where a large painting is, despite the fact that there was already a large painting right next to the small painting. (laughs) Then he hasn't hung up the large painting yet. He takes his coat off, hangs it over the large painting, picks up the phone, makes a really weird suicide call. I want to live. I want to die. I don't want to live. I want to live. (laughs) And he takes the phone over to the fireplace, fires the gun. That's your third shot. And if he's trying to fake a suicide, he does need to explain why the bullet was fired, why well, the gun was fired three fucking times. And why he then, himself in the face. And why no one heard a gunshot. Yes. <laughs> well, that's he because puts, the manor is, it's like Downton Abbey, that, that puts, building. That's right, that rented Los Angeles apartment that is also some kind of, like, historic. Historic English. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He puts I, he puts I, the fake beard back on him. He puts the fake yes, beard back on him. The now. fake beard that takes the cops... Two autopsies to discover mm-hmm. somehow, and <laughs> and it's only then that they start to think, "Hey, oh, wait a minute, this is a different fellow." Um, so yeah. he puts the he puts the fake beard and mustache gum. back on back on Carlisle Sanders, puts his coat back on, puts the large painting on the wall, but doesn't realize that the mace pen has fallen out of his pocket, and because the painting was upside down, the pen has fallen into the light shade. So he hangs it back up up uh, on top of the stairs. Runs back downstairs, takes off his little his what they keep calling rubbers, and I really hate that. Yeah. But the little rubber soles he uses on his shoes, which sounds really British. I don't in L.A. Would you call it? Would you have them anyway? Well, he also, one L.A. You wouldn't have a British music hall either. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair point. Well made. He hucks one rubber into the fire to mask the smell of the maze. Hides one under the couch for some reason. Fucks off. Fucks back in because he's forgotten his hat, his coat, and his umbrella. Fucks back out again, realizes the pen is gone, tries to fuck back in, but the cops have arrived, so now he totally fucks off. Explain to me how any of that helped. The one thing I like about any of that is the way that um, Pleasant's played it, like like a very worried um, uh, piglet. Oh, dear. (laughs) My favorite part is when he calls the the operator and he leaves the, the suicide message. He he looks really wily. He's like, ah, oh, yeah. What's that? <laughs> he looks like well, this will do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it all sounds crazy, but to be fair, it's not like the only thing we know about this guy is that he's a famous police detective who is an expert on unsolvable murder. Yes. <laughs> the, the the best known living resource on how to get away with crime. crime. Yeah, but he's out of practice. <laughs> he's in L.A. He's doing his well, little garden. He doesn't know anymore. He's just um. Away with the first crime. He's he's, uh, he's also a best-selling author who mm. uh, teaches uh, uh, self-defense classes that uh, no one is taking seriously. That the very <laughs> idea of a woman being safe is laughable on its face, mm-hmm. and yeah. all the way there to watch him fence with an umbrella. Well, you know what? No, I, I have to say, Tim, one of the things that gave me. Uh, 
hopes for this episode, and th- this is actually the first real episode of the series, actually, because the, um, the pilot was this very disturbing film, which we've talked about in the past, uh, which had Robert Culp in it. So the first thing, like, when you see him, he's walking up the, uh, the streets in the opening credits, and he goes up to, like, the uh, signboard uh, for the community center or high school or whatever it is, but it does a great job of, just with that signboard... Tells you who he is. Retired um, detective from Scotland Yard. Correcting the uh, spelling of his name. I thought that was a very good, efficient way. Like, okay, that's who this guy is. He's this guy. There's his name. There you go. And you think this is going to be great. And then, no, it's not. It's artfully (laughs) done. Does it include, because the big big twist, and we'll get there. Does does that introduction of him on the board include his middle initial? It does. It yeah. does. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Because and also, also... For the dumbest reason ever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it also includes that uh, disco dancing is Tuesday, and Thursday is the cooking class mm. at the community center. So... But then they do, okay. then they do the, they do the two-hour uh, self-defense course, of which we see ten minutes, and it seems like it's the entire ten minutes of the self-defense course, which is strange. <laughs> it does. Just seem like it's book promotion, right? Like I don't get yes. anybody away from that defense yeah. class thinking I learned real skills here. And also, he seems a little drunk, <laughs> and as though he might actually hurt somebody. <laughs> yeah, he. In the course that, when of he's it, swinging that purse around. Oh yes, the looks on the on the face. Like I, I have a feeling here's what the direction was. He's having Donald, fun performing it, yeah, but it's Donald, not. Nobody else was Donald, told. Have fun. Just have fun with it. And nobody else was and told yeah. he might do that. <laughs> Apparently, the purpose of the self-defense class is to learn how to protect yourself from Donald Pleasance. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> a jabber, uh, a grabber. grabber that sounds like a, a like sexual a, like a, assaulter. That sounds like a, like a Mr. Show thing for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it definitely veers into FF40 Cook's territory. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's something I was thinking about with this, and I want to run it past you all. Because uh, my feeling is that whenever women's self-defense classes are depicted on, on drama or on, sorry, on scripted TV, dramas always treat them like this. They always treat it like kind of silly, kind of funny. It's really just an opportunity to get a character from A to B. So it's, it's done as a bit of light relief, but when it's on sitcoms, it's always there. It always ends up with the female characters having a scare, going to a dojo some huge malevolent lunk like Lyle Alzado is there in a gi, and he yells at them oh, for a while. And then Joyce DeWitt karate chops him or something, and he falls down, and <laughs> yes. they walk out to triumph and applause. Yeah. But at, at least the, the sitcoms treat it like, no, this is this is real. Like, sometimes it's scary to be a woman. And this show treated it like, literally like, dab your most effeminated scanties and perfumes of exotic estrus. We go to defend our bodies, ladies. <laughs> It was utter fucking it, nonsense. It was like as a as a woman, um, it was also uh, the most patronizingly offensive self defense class I can imagine. Like, trust me, every woman in that class has already figured out that when you're walking home late at oh, night, the keys alone, keys, yeah, and you yeah. them between your fingers. We all do that. You come out of the womb knowing to do that. Yeah. So hearing this British man be like, have you thought about this one, ladies? Yes, we we all have. We all collectively have. Uh, it's uh, it's not telling women like, what if you took your purse and you hit someone with it? Yeah, we're we're fine with that on our own. That's yeah. not why anyone goes to a self-defense. And, and also, also, you figure that out. 
you'd figure Mrs. Columbo would have mentioned that, oh, my husband's a cop, so I know yeah. about some of these things. That would have come up yeah. at that point, perhaps. I think it would have been great if he'd fumbled through her purse and pulled out a gun. <laughs> yeah, that too, right. <laughs> well, the, the, the mace pen is another thing that's... What a ridiculous thing to recommend, because if you're a woman and you have a pen, it's in your purse. So right. if you're going to fumble around in your flipping purse, just put a gun or some actual mace in there. Yeah. It, it's not like, oh, discreetly, let me, let me write you a check. You know? It's not like you're not going to discreetly just pen. pulling out a pen to write them right. like a nice note. And let me just reach into surprise. my purse for an hour. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, the mace is a, really, is a really interesting thing to kind of leap off of, because... Um, uh, it, it sort of it illustrates one of the big differences between Mrs. Columbo and Columbo, which is that uh, this show seems to believe that Mrs. Columbo is genuinely kind of dumb. That she's like uh, she's uh, playing uh, naive for a lot of it, but when you watch her uh, absent of the murderer solving the mystery. There's a lot of like basic stuff that she's just kind of picking up from people along the way, <laughs> right? And, or even her daughter's imaginary friend or whatever, too. Yeah, right. yeah, it's, yeah. It's a lot of just sort All of that. thinking out loud, talking to people who like are you know fountains of trivia, yes. uh, like her, her big dumb police chief, uh, police detective friend. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> who, who's, who doesn't somehow? He's. He seems as though he'd be a veteran cop. He doesn't know where they take the, quote, suicide. Oh, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that I was strange. He said they assume it's a suicide immediately. And then he right. starts take them wherever you take the suicides. I think he'd know I by this point. It's a garbage dump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'd know where they take the suicides. Or they go into, like, a different morgue, right? Like some kind of coward hell morgue. A coward's <laughs> morgue. <laughs> Oh my it's God. like a, it's like when you go to the supermarket and they've got the the frozen meals and then the meals for one. Oh, so yes. there's your your morgue and your morgue for one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, well, look, this Ooh. guy shot himself vaguely sideways in the torso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with a, with he a, tried the gun out twice to make sure it worked with an yeah. Amish beard. This clearly bearded man whose beard is definitely real. Yeah. With no mustache. Nobody found the mustache laying around. They had the beard on him. Oh, God. Oh, he, must been a, he must have been an Amish man or some sort of Quaker who yeah, smells of glue. Right. Smells of mustache. airplane glue. Mace on his so, face, thereby revealing that because he has been maced, the only other person she knows with mace, Donald Pleasance, must be involved in the murder. I, mean, I think it's pretty obvious that as soon as she starts talking to him, he does start sweating bullets. Yes, like, immensely. Yes. He's yes. uncomfortable. Well, Donald Pleasance screaming about tea. Let's, let's, okay, you know what? Uh, let's try it. Let's focus on some positive aspects. I think uh, a huge well, actually, positive aspect go... is Donald Pleasance. Yeah, he's, he's fun to watch. This would not be half as good if it was not him playing that role. He, he's wonderful in this. If anybody wants to expand on that to be a bit generous to this thing, uh, please feel free. If not, I understand yeah. completely. No, he's, he's great, and he's sort of exactly who you expect to be in an episode of uh, Columbo or a Columbo-like product. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. He is the exact the Velveeta, like, The Velveeta of Columbo, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's this he's this kind of like uh delightful character actor who's who's just barely slumming, 
You can see him cutting yeah. loose on camera. You can see that he that he thinks he's elevating the material and that gives him the confidence to, to pull a lot of the broader stuff that he's doing. Right. right. And there's a lot of that. Yes. The problem is that uh, for me watching this, watching Columbo, Columbo is always the most interesting person in the episode. Like, I, I would be happy just to watch Columbo, like, write some letters and eat a sandwich for 45 minutes. Oh, sure. All of the people in this episode are more interesting than Mrs. Columbo. Like, yeah, she seems yeah. fine. It's like a really nice lady. Yeah, she's uh, perfectly I'm, nice. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> if I, I met her for lunch, I'd have a really nice chat with her. And I don't think I can say that about Columbo. But she's boring to watch. Yeah, yeah the gimmick on paper like everything that you described up top about yeah, um, it sounds great yeah about like yeah she works for the local paper but the the actual cop is kind of a big dummy you know so she's stumbling into all of these it just it's on paper i totally get it it sounds like columbo again mm-hmm. but there's just something about it that's flat maybe yes. the way a yes. woman is uh <sighs> Look, I think if a woman behaved like Columbo, um, mm. it would be almost impossible for her to integrate herself into these situations. <laughs> like, mm, uh, yeah. like you can't just show up with uh, with your hair messy, like wearing a trench coat in every single scene and being like, "Hey, you mind if I come into your house?" Like, as a woman, people will think you're insane. Yeah, uh, yeah, you can do that if you're Peter Falk playing Columbo, That's or you're Margot Kidder. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, we actually had talked a long time ago back in the early episodes when we were talking about other actors we thought could revive Columbo. Frances McDormand kept coming up. Uh, Kathy Bates for me. I'd love to see Kathy Bates. Oh, that'd be really oh, good, too. Good. Gosh, yeah. she's so intimidating, though, you know? Um, what's that? Margot. Why am I blanking on her last name? Incredibly well respected character actress, Margot. Damn it. Martindale? Oh, Martindale. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. She'd be great. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of menacing. Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, I I really like how how. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, Mulgrew, I like how Mulgrew acts. I like her scene with Lily. I like her scene with Henry, just in terms of acting, and also in terms of how she, whenever she's talking to that guy, suddenly is from Brooklyn. But yeah, <laughs> not the rest <laughs> yeah, of the episode. Gotcha. But yes. But yeah, I mean, it just it, the writing was uh, there was no point to those scenes except to show that oh, she can actually act a little. Uh, yeah, move on. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So they ruined the stuff that's good. Right. I, I mean, I mean, I think it was a weird thing where they just they had a hit, and it was the Fred Silverman era at NBC, and they were mm. desperate for anything else. And like, hey, we can get this thing going. Uh, the guys that do the show were trying to rip off. They want anything to do with it. That's fine. We'll just do it anyway, and just kind of. <laughs> do the high points and just polish the serial numbers off and we'll just kind of like throw that out there. Nope, nobody notices. And that's why you have a show that's Mrs. Columbo, Kate Columbo. Kate loves a mystery and Columbo's not mentioned at all in like uh, halfway through the second season and then it just disappears. That's the evolution, right? I was aware of Kate loves a mystery and I got very confused that this was an extremely Columbo heavy episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Every opportunity they were, they were looking oh, at you're not going to see him. He just left the room. <laughs> Sorry, there's a cigar, That's and here's a, the dog. Yeah, 
that's another thing I learned while looking at old clippings is that that name change happened right away. Oh yeah, no, it was. They were under no illusions at how much the show was generating ill will, and I think it's within two months. I think this episode was March, and by early May, they're like the name of the show is changing. Yeah. Was this triage? Do you guys think this was triage to protect Columbo, like to protect the franchise? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, yeah, that makes, I think because they, they probably had a lot more pull and say. Because I think mm-hmm. Columbo was. I think this was an entirely, as far as I'm, I know, this was an entirely an NBC thing. Whereas Columbo was Universal doing that, and it was probably a thing to keep Universal those producers Peter Falk happy. Whereas NBC was mostly doing this thing, and yeah. I mean, if this was a this was a good show, if uh, for some reason that we just found this character incredibly charismatic and we liked it, uh, that's uh, the idea of her being Columbo's wife is hilarious, though, because you'd never see her on Columbo. You'd never see Columbo on Mrs. Columbo because he'd always be working late or on a case or like out getting the dog sandwiches or whatever Columbo does. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true, but isn't a lot of the mystique for Columbo that we sort of think that he just lives in that car? And that um, I think it's like fake. I think his wife is made up, and right. I think he lives in a car. <laughs> right, so if the appeal for us is that he's, he may be completely lying uh, at any given moment just to, to keep up the aw shucks, uh, the aw shucks gimmick, uh, actually seeing the rest of his life kind of like weakens his his canniness in my mind because well, she's lying literalizes this thing that is like you know an enigma i guess yeah i guess she could also be lying what if she's just a complete psychopath oh my gosh just... you just happened to read the oh. clippings read the clippings about him in the paper I got it. I oh got my it. god are you ready to love this show are you ready to think mrs Columbo is the greatest show in history Okay, John, she we'll has. See. This is not a show about her solving mysteries. This is a show about her framing innocent people. Oh, oh, that everything. Oh, when you see the murder, that is that is the reality she has created by driving these people nuts with her impish pursuit. <laughs> Mrs. Columbo murdered Carlisle Sanders. I'll figure out why later, but she yeah. did. Yeah, well, well, she read the book too. That's right. That's true. Track him down. Yeah, she has that pen too. Yeah, <laughs> could have done it all. Well, John, actually, on that note, uh, the mm. Colombo antibody theory you've got, which are are you folks yeah. familiar with John's Colombo antibody theory? No, I don't think. so. Uh, John, please briefly. I'll do my best, really quick. Uh, so if you imagine that television as a, a a concept, I guess, is an organism. You imagine it all the different channels. Uh, and stations are organs, and the different shows are cells in those organs. If a show goes off the rails and starts to become, uh, uh, you know, detrimental to its own continued success or continued life, then uh, it starts to metastasize and becomes cancerous and threatens the entire station. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, or network, I guess is the right word. So, uh, what happens is Columbo gets injected into it, and slowly, uh, as an antibody, destroys all the malignant cells and uh, kills that show. So you assume that every Columbo episode you've ever seen is actually uh, an isolated episode of a show that has now been murdered and taken away, uh, kept from harming a body. And we kind of keep it around in order to inoculate uh, other networks against similar death. So for this one, I think you've got this (laughs) you've got this detective show where you've got this uh, retired um, Scotland Yard detective 
who moved to the U.S. He lives in Los Angeles, has his little kind of little garden in the suburbs or whatever, and he occasionally solves a crime here and there in his dotage. But, uh-oh, he decides to kill. So then you've got the Mrs. Columbo antibody going in to stop it before it starts infecting the rest of the uh, primetime lineup. So I think this one fits that, because I think I would uh, watch a show. a terrible job. No, I know. That's why it's not as good as when <laughs> Columbo does it. But I, I could see myself watching a show with Donald Pleasance as this kind of retired Scotland Yard guy yeah. in the U.S. reluctantly well, having to go on. Kills and... people now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then he kind of goes, goes out of it and kill, ends up killing somebody. Uh, something was passed. And then, oh, he has to be brought back into the, uh, the I corral there. I think it's like there. Dexter, but really British. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> and also you explore this ridiculous... Uh, 1970s British subculture that apparently existed in Los Angeles right. somehow. Like, did that exist? I can't. I don't think it play. did. <laughs> so what we figured out, and I became so angry when Jennifer explained this to me, that <laughs> the episode is called "Murder Is a Parlor Game." There's no parlors, and they they maybe were were thought that like the word parlor was like quintessentially British or like that the, huh. the, the apartments with the fireplace like qualified as a parlor. Nah. This Columbo plays like something of a parlor game with her daughter before yeah. bed. Oh, maybe. That's idle first. Yeah. And sort of like pieced it together from there. Yeah. It's, it's I guess so, I could see that. Yeah. It's like, it's like the un- of wordplay. Like the more I look at it, the more there's just there's nothing there. Yeah. But I can see they could convince themselves like good enough. It's <laughs> yeah. I uh, with all uh. this in mind, honestly, the last episode of Mrs. Columbo, Kate loves a mystery, Kate Columbo, whatever they called it, should have been uh, Kate Columbo murdering somebody, and then Columbo shows up. Wow! <laughs> I've never seen you in my life, lady. What the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. just. Shut it down. Shut it down. Um, honestly, oh, it would a be shame. a much more interesting show <laughs> if she killed people. If, yeah. Uh, I guess I would just watch any show about murderers getting away with murder. But, yeah, if she killed people and Columbo uh, solved crimes, it's great. Opposites attract. There we go. Yeah. Nice crimes. He solved them. <laughs> the last episode is their actual wedding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So the more we talk about this, the more the more I, I think we're kind of circling one of the reasons it doesn't work. And this is something that, Jen, you said while we were watching it, too, which is that Columbo is interesting because you don't expect a um, the smartest guy in the room and a police detective, especially at that time, to mm-hmm. be playing uh, low status or like yeah. feigning low status. Yeah. And all of the murderers are like these extremely high status people. Mm-hmm. And this episode has a character who is like a bemused housewife mm-hmm. who uh, is, you know, operating from a place where the expectation is that she would be be behaving the way she is behaving. It does not seem odd that she is having tea with those people. It feels like independently she would become friends with that man's wife. That they would meet at like the cooking club that meets at the community center, and uh, they would end up teaching each other how to make dim sum anyway. It feels oh. weird. Columbo is in those rooms. Yeah, there's uh, okay. there's sort of no gimmick. Like yeah. they're not they're not really playing with the what for me is like the defining 
thing of the show is the kind of like working class yeah, guy but he's an outsider. versus the person who expects that they can get away with it because they're rich and powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it think because just it flattened everything out because the entire thing takes place in the suburbs pretty much. Yeah. Or like there's this dark underbelly in suburbs, but you don't have like, yeah, you don't have that class division that you have. Oh my God. Once again, yeah. though, that's a really good premise. If the premise was there's a dark underbelly in the suburbs. Well, yeah, no, that's to, the thing. You have to be a burb yes. mom to, yeah. Yeah, that's all I've got. One of the other things that's different about Columbo and Mrs. Columbo is how they portray the mechanism of the main character's crime solving. Columbo is like some sort of relentless little supernatural figure. He's haunting so many of his uh, so many of the suspects. And he's there's almost a straight line, right? When you watch a Columbo episode, when you look back, you can see that Columbo is going from A, B, C, D, getting all his ducks in a row. Mrs. Columbo does the opposite. She flits around. She just shows up here, shows up there, shows up there, has a piece of evidence here, has a moment of inspiration here. There's no narrative that you can construct from how she solves the crimes. At one point I asked Daniel, do you think she knows that he did it? Or do you think she's just annoying? (laughs) That's a good question. Which, I actually, but I this man who wrote a book. No, that's an important. But, but I got to think. Like one of my favorite uh, scenes uh, uh, that uh, Pleasance has is when he's doing the gardening. And he goes in the kitchen. He's talking to his wife for quite a while, and only then does she bring up like, "Oh, well, Mrs. Columbo's right over there." He's like, "Damn." That, to me, felt like a Columbo moment. <laughs> That's one of the few in this episode where it mm-hmm. felt like, oh, there's the annoyance. There's a, hey, she's just there. And the murderer is like, God, God. Oh, hey, no, I just pricked myself on a rose. Hi, ah, good. I'm glad you're here. And then or putting the, it to marmalade. The somewhat more inexplicable version of that where they go to uh, some kind of a comedy magic burlesque yeah. show. Uh, yeah, the musical she, thing, yeah. Right, and she's in the audience and is calling here, but that doesn't really end up factoring into. I no, guess it's not at all. Each other, but uh, she just she's just a, a woman with, with several jobs alone <laughs> at kind of magic show with her kid at home. Yeah, she that's wants right. it all. The kids at home. Mrs. Columbo. Yeah, Columbo's gone, and is yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a good point. No, she's maybe she's home with Columbo, and this is one of the few times she gets to go out and do something by herself. I say that knowing that she's never at home in these shows. Right. She is constantly out solving nonsense crimes. But that's that's the other that's the other huge difference. I think you're right. Like the game of Columbo is that he knows from the beginning he's just looking for the thing so that he can prove it. Whereas mm-hmm. she's, she's having like a lot of really unmotivated moments of inspiration where you kind of you have you have to decide whether she's finding it. And then those are jumbled up with moments of Columbo like fake naivete where she's like, oh, you're you're one step ahead of me, uh, you, Inspector Morley. <laughs> Man, you folks really, really got to look up and watch the uh, haunted ventriloquist dummy one. I tell you. Oh no, boy! Yeah. Oh, you, you got to see that deal because that—that's a heck of a thing. You know, another thing I was—I was trying to imagine if I could picture Columbo taking care of of the the daughter Jenny on his own. If hmm. I could picture like well, your mother's out at a at self defense class or whatever, and yeah. could yeah. Yeah, would he make her chilly and such? Oh, but I like yeah. that. But I'm, you can take care of the daughter. Yeah, but I'm trying to get—I'm trying to picture him. Can you picture him like 
do a color form in your head of just <laughs> all the Mrs. Columbo sets and put Columbo in it. And does he feel like he's at home? Or does know. he feel like he's right? Does like, he feel he, like he's does he feel like he's pursuing somebody? No. If I see Columbo in a cul-de-sac, I think Columbo's trying to find a killer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, same. In mind, he just he just uh, he lives in his car. He lives in his car. He yeah. appears yeah. in the doorway. He's you know he's looking at light bulbs or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, you ask him what he's doing there. <laughs> you see, That's like, another thing. Beetlejuice. He just he just arrives. <laughs> That's another mistake I think they made is they tried to make Mrs. Columbo really a solo operator, even though she has a regular supporting cast. She just bounces ideas off of them and then goes out and and does her accidental crime solving. If if she had, it really should be more of an ensemble show if it's going to be distinct from Columbo. Oh, that's a good yeah, point. yeah, this is like a Sherlock Holmes thing. Then he works with the police. Uh, he's not just like a man who solves mysteries. And then we hope that I. First of all, I thought there was going to be a tussle at the end. I thought it was. Oh, not, that was too trusting. He was of going her. to kill her. Yeah, yeah that's trusting oh, of were, her. They were so, uh, and I don't know if that was some kind of nod to what they perceived as like British uh, gentlemanliness yeah, of like if people accuse you of murder and you're a murderer. I guess, but yeah, like, I was. Well, you me. Let me tell my wife. <laughs> yeah, I was nervous, but well, no, not just that. He wants a few more. Like an hour to be with his wife, who is like, oh, it's one last mystery you'll have. Yeah, your wife is going to be so glad to hear that you killed a prostitute 20, 30 years ago. (laughs) And you've murdered someone else. You're about to go to prison. She's really going to want to hang out with you for like an hour or so until the cops come over. Cops who may or may not come over because the uh, sergeant, quote unquote, is saying, let's see, he's thinking it over whether or not to arrest you. He's thinking it over. Like, okay, sure. He's a real... (laughs) On one hand, he's a double murderer. On the other hand, he wrote a book, and that's fun. And also, I think he mostly just wanted to not redo his report that it was a uh, suicide. Suicide. Wait, wait, wait. Are we allowed to kill people if we've written the book? I don't... Uh. Well, if you're Norman Mailer or William Burr, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Well, you wait. Wait, you've got two. I've got three. RJ's got one. Daniel's got one. You have the one. Do you have any more than the one, Daniel? Uh, a couple, yeah. Oops. I co-wrote a, co- oh. a humor book. Yeah, I've got awesome. three. Yeah. If we, so if you've, yeah, we've got enough. Who's with us? Yeah, we can. Who we can you, murder oh somebody. God. Let's we be can a kill, kill someone. Well, I, I've, I've, been in, I've been in. I've been in two. I've been in two. Did you say John oh. or say one? I've been in two. So yeah, you did. Uh, so okay, n- never mind. I'm. I'll be by to pick you guys up in about. Twenty-nine hours. Yeah, we could do it. We could do a genocide or something. I don't know. Yes. At least a small yes, town. We yeah, we don't have plans. Yeah. As long as the meddling housewife <laughs> That's right. Exactly. No this one hang their coats. Summer. No one hang their coats in a Thomas Kincaid painting in the lobby, well, or else okay, we're screwed. Why doesn't, why doesn't he just flee? Like, if a meddling housewife was like, "I'm on to you." I figured it out. You right. did murder. You're a I'm going to a, a British passport. I'm going to alert the police. Why wouldn't you just flee? I guess he the first murder. But well, he should flee also, again. He should uh, keep doing that. There was also a, a purportedly solved crime 30 years earlier. Yeah. Guess you just go to Argentina. Seems like she's giving him, giving him an excuse to get out of the country. But well, he's he, got that rose garden. Yeah, and the yeah. self-defense classes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's tough, yeah. it's yeah. tough to give all that up. So there's a lot of frustrating things about this episode, but we haven't we haven't talked about like what for me was the big groaning eye roll, where just out of nowhere, 
part of what makes it a confession slash suicide is that in his book of perfect crimes, uh, Carmichael mm. May Saunders or whatever his name is writes, I am the murderer. Oh God. On that chapter heading. In but, the yes, but it's not, it's not spaced the way you would write it as a normal human being. He doesn't write that. He just, <laughs> ah, it's, yes, that is so frustrating. And, dumb. and the very idea that an unsigned confession that says, I am the murderer in a murder book can tip one way or the other. But I, uh, he was trying to encourage him. He, you put a space between I and am. Right. There's no dots. You would write it with dots because it's initials. You, actually, can we, can we back up a second? I have to admit, I don't know if they didn't cover this or if I just didn't catch it. Why was the, why was the book important? Why did he need to get Carlyle's copy of the book? Uh, Maybe he'd uh, taken notes uh, in the margins? I don't know. It's really felt like that aspect of the mystery didn't have to be in the episode. No. At. Like maybe Let's they not start that. Because <laughs> everything, you know, all the weird painting rearranging and the bullet hole and the burning of the galoshes, it's all magnificently stupid. <laughs> but that is, that is how the guy dies. That's yeah. what he does afterwards. Sure. And that's how she finds the mace pen. Fair enough. Yes. And all of that is enough. The, yeah. the mace pen that is improbably lodged in a lamp, even though the painting has now been turned right side up. Sure, yes. This zero-gravity pen remains and in the lamp. Only, and it's only, <laughs> even though it's a, a pen, which, yeah, I got a couple pens at my desk here. Uh, they're pretty horizontal items. But it only somehow is casting shadow on one tiny part of half of the painting. But sure, whatever. That's, yeah. It's remarkable. Uh, so all, everything I just said, like, is, is really stupid, but if you're writing a bad mystery that like technically had a beginning and middle and end, you wouldn't need like, oh, by the way, also this guy wrote a murder book and there's a chapter that's about the two well, guys. And, and also not to quibble, but he apparently tore the chapter out of the book, but the manuscript that he hands over to Pleasance is like an eight and a half by 11 sheaf of paper, which <laughs> I don't know to me I, yeah, I got, I, 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 right now. Also, not only do I have pens on my desk, I've also got some bookshelves in here and I don't have a lot of eight and a half by 11 <laughs> novels or true crime books on my shelves here. No, no. And, universe, it, universe. it seemed odd. It seemed odd to me. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the size. It was strange. It's a product of the University of Mississippi Press. Thank you very much, RJ. And we do okay. use standard A for printing. Oh, well, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, again, I would like to point out that, that he burned those papers. Morley burns those papers to get rid of them so the cops won't see them. But again, those papers would actually help cement a story that the murderer had appeared and tried to kill him because he was angry about being in the book. Right. And also, and also, uh, if he's a best-selling author, eh, there's maybe a couple dozen copies of those papers around in bookstores around the country. Yeah, she Bound. has one. She yeah. has her own copy. He's yes. his self-defense class. He's just yeah. book promotion. It's just talking about how good his book is. Yeah, yeah I can, I can oh, only yeah. guess that he had taken incriminating notes in the margins, maybe, and that's why? I don't know. Well, okay, but, all right, so you have this murderer. I thought about that, too. I thought that, like, he's scrawled all over these pages. I've been framed. I've been wrongly accused. Right. I am as a murderer, by which I mean Ian Morley. 
Um, okay. <laughs> Fine. We'll assume he's done that. You hand that over to the police and you're like, this is a crazy person. He yes. was obsessed yes. with me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And while you're doing that, turn in Mrs. Columbo. This is another crazy person. She breaks in everywhere. She right. leaves me they alone. They let her in. The weekly advertiser, she just gets to go roam around crime scenes. Right. And then Dolph Sweet takes her in. He's like, this is the eighth time this season. Yeah. Or whatever his voice is. I'm sorry, Dolph Sweet. Yeah. No, no, no actually, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. Yeah. All right. But Mrs. Colombo has no real power here. No, like, wait, no, no. Out the crime. Uh, people oh, go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Colombo is just like, really rolling the dice by even telling these people that she's figured out that they're murderers because I assume yes. there's an episode where one just stabs her. Like that's well, I mean, well, okay. that's I, I think the, the I actually uh, wanted to bring this up. Actually, the Robert Culp because... one, she uh, the guy almost gets her. It's not Robert Culp who's a killer in that one. Spoiler alert in case you see that wonderful thing. But yeah, like the guy almost gets her in that one, the pilot. Yeah. But it's a, yeah, the, that's the correct the ending of, That should be every episode. Yes, yes, it should. The, the distinction between how this one ended and that one ended is wild because the last yeah. one ended with a serial, a stone-faced serial killer, like lasciviously trying to murder Mrs. Colombo and threatening her daughter, and he gets blown up. Oh right, yes, I forgot that. There's a up. whole house explosion. Yes, in this one. See, the is that more exciting staring, than this? It was okay. The murderer is staring right at her and literally says something along the lines of, oh, well, it would be impolite to murder you now. Yeah, it would be, uh, what was it, frosting? <laughs> He's frosting, uh, painting, painting the lily, which that's right. not the expression, that's but sure. Okay. Painting the lily, that's not how you put... I'm like, maybe I have that wrong? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, painting the lily. This so, juncture, it would be excessive to take another life, despite the fact that like you're two is his maximum. Yeah. Well, That's two was my limit. I've only written one book. Well, <laughs> actually, let's let's if we talk about that briefly. Let's talk in British accents for the rest of the episode. You're right. Let's not know. Um, yes. Well, actually, I wondered if they were try if he if he says painting the lily, is he making a pun on the name of the mur- woman he murdered? 30 oh, years ago? Because that would be terrible if that's the case. But that's this whole show. It's all these like weird oh, half measures. Oh, where that makes like, no sense, yeah. They're doing an impression of like a narrative. Yes! Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Um, but also, one thing that frustrated me, because they didn't have any time in this, or a lot less time than you have in a Columbo episode, it's never, what was the reason, what was the justification for him to do the initial murder way back when that he's now killing Oh yeah, the they, never they never explain that. They never explain it. It just happened. This guy's a murderer. I like, thought I thought the fact that it was supposedly involving some sort of politician who died mm-hmm. and he could reveal that in the book yeah. being a cop, I figured maybe it was some sort of political favor way back then in London. It's that so he did it to cover up something for some <laughs> some high-ranking politician, and he did that, and that was it. Like, okay, the guy died, now I can pin it on him, but we originally actually framed this other guy. That's what I kind of thought it might have been. And he's felt kind of lousy about it all his years that he had this big career because he actually helped some big-time politician who was able to help him up afterward... And make him help him to be famous and well known in the department and whatever. I don't know. That was my thing. But uh, John, you mentioned earlier you thought he was with this prostitute and that's why he killed her. 
Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I she that. had to be blackmailing him, or he's Jack the Ripper. There's only two possibilities. <laughs> See, I, I was figuring it was the blackmailing a politician. He did a favor, and that helped his career a great deal. And that's how mm. he became was able to be so famous all those years. And that's yeah, because he's there a terrible cop. Holy moly! Yeah, that's that's another reason why I thought that's that's it. That he wasn't really a good cop, but he helped someone out by doing a favor back then, and. Yeah, now it's coming back to oh, he sucks at this. Whoops! It's so yeah. poorly. It's so poorly explained, or it's not really. It's it's kind of discarded. It's not really explained at all. And yeah, what I'm realizing now is that the only reason that this episode has this like weird fetishization of British culture is that like they got Donald Pleasance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It really oh, no the, question. The story is not. The story doesn't hinge on him being, like, uh, from another country or, like, anything that involves their politics. Nope. Like, it's just British for the sake of British in L.A. Mm -hmm. Uh, Down to the whimsical British-sounding music at very inappropriate times. I have a note. During the murder! During the murder! Crazy, whimsical British music that should not be there if someone's being killed. When I, watching this the first time, I was increasingly frustrated by the fact that they were making no effort to make it look like Los Angeles. Right. To the point where the when the bodies... Was, was it somehow filmed in L.A.? I, uh, yeah, I, I think in like, Maryland. I looked, I couldn't find good anything. Good geographical grass on place. It was awful. Uh, so, But they would play the music and play the music and play the music. And it was always British music. And I'm like... At some point, it wouldn't hurt to play some L.A. music, like something kind of sunny and bright and contemporary. But instead, they're just doing like, what is it, the, the BBC proms that's like Doctor Who soundtrack yeah. by 40, <laughs> 40 symphonies. Yeah. Like, hypothetically, let's say this is the only episode of this show that I've seen. <laughs> like, Sadly, yeah. It's the only one we will ever see. If this was, if this show. Never say never. <laughs> well, you know, until you until you ask us to watch back. another one, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if this was a if this was a show that really like if every other episode of this was this like surf rock like very died in the wall L.A. show, <laughs> and this felt like a you know almost like a Christmas episode, a weird or castle something. episode, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like then it would. Have I would accept. Really I'd accept 1990 Scott. Yes, yeah. yeah, there we go. 90s Scott. Um, Mrs. Columbo episode could follow this. Uh... This is Scalumbo. Um, um, oh yeah, that was my band in the nineties in college. Sorry. This is Scalumbo. Actually, it was just Scalumbo. It was like, yeah, that was our uh, ska band. It's not a bad name. No. Let's do it. I'm looking at my notes just because we we should wrap this up because this is not good. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say just really anything? really quick, like in defense of the Mrs. Columbo is kind of dumb theory. All of, major, <laughs> all of the major developments in this come from uh, one of her supporting cast members saying something or having a piece of knowledge that could only exist in this story. Like her daughter having a story about somebody burning a beach ball. Right. Right. Because yep. that child wanted to make a bad smell. Yeah. It's it's so improbably specific. Yes. Yes. Well, when my friend Timmy murdered a prostitute, he burned a beach ball. <laughs> <laughs> huh. 
<laughs> and I oh no, the Jenny Columbo murders. A mace. It's like something about. Oh, like, Henry Jones. Yeah, yeah. Her editor. Yeah. Her newspaper editor who who is this real salt of the earth guy who says. Oh, my favorite scene. Is well, she's good. Me. That guy is good. Throughout yeah. the, the ones yeah, we've seen, right. he's consistent. He's good. Henry Jones. And he's a good device too. You can only have so many improbably wise people. Yeah, yeah but a newspaper editor would be one of them. Uh, right. But, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Not all the research materials. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I the kind of guy who expects to be able to help things along, but you'd use him once, mm-hmm. like thirty minutes in, when she's kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't. She only comes in once a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> they literally said that. I thought that was just them being a dick. Right. But it's. This is Palumbo has got to make about nine dollars a year. <laughs> but she puts away puts away criminals left and right. Yeah. I don't know. I think so. I'm I'm thinking about her being her being dumb, and I'm actually at the end of this episode that would make more sense to me. Yeah, that that's how she affords this like fairly oh, luxurious suburban lifestyle. That's a great pitch. <laughs> She's blackmailing all of these people yeah. and her husband. Yes. Oh, that's good. That is a better show. I would watch that. Yeah. Some someone. Oh yeah. I take a single mom particularly being so good at sussing out rich people's terrible secrets, and she just forms an empire of of vice. Yeah. (laughs) I'll watch it. Got it all like stuffed away in one of her kids' stuffed animals. It's got all their secrets running around. That's an experiment. It's fantastic. Yeah. I was thinking uh, a thing about her not being smart necessarily, and she has a billion interests, and she's kind of a dilettante in all of them, and just magically solves murders. Which makes me think: is she a royal Tenenbaums character? <laughs> like, yeah, she improbably arrives with dim sum at some point. So I think yes. I think that's Owen a- Wilson opens his door, and there she is. And yeah. oh wow, you're solving a mystery! <laughs> oh wow, bless oh, that yes. you had an Owen Wilson version. <laughs> Um, uh, could you could you have could you have Owen Wilson say she knew that he knew a boy who burned a beach ball to make a bad smell? Oh wow! Yeah, you know, I yeah, I knew a boy who burned a beach ball. Yeah, wow! <laughs> Perfect, we got it. That's there it. Yeah, we're just yeah. That's my backup career. <laughs> Owen Wilson dispensing unhelpful clues. <laughs> True Detective season three. <laughs> yes. Uh, hashtag. Um, yeah. Oh, one thing. Uh, I, I'm looking at my notes. Uh, the marmalade. A lot happened in the marmalade scene, which was kind of actually one of my favorites, uh, one of the better scenes of the thing. But it reminded me that, uh, John, if you remember the um, episode where that woman purported to kill Mrs. Columbo, uh, the murder yes. weapon was killing her with poison marmalade. Poison marmalade. Oh, interesting. Think so that was on purpose? I don't know. But it was just a weird, I thought, parallel that I'm going to guess no, because I don't think anybody actually made Columbo watch this thing (laughs) just out of general principle. But I thought it was an odd little parallel there. Um, Oh, gosh, what's the other thing? It was something about uh, Dolph Sweet, but I can't find it. Oh, the scene with uh, Dolph Sweet and uh, Pleasance in the uh, apartment of the murdered fellow, Mr. Pitt's uh, apartment. Jesus. There's that weird thing about uh, about the coincidence. Like, oh, is this important? Well, is it a coincidence? Well, is it a coincidence? Pretty important. And just the awkwardness there almost seemed a little bit uh, Cohen-y to me. Like a Cohen Brothers thing. A little bit. 
Well, just I liked it. Just the awkwardness of Pleasance in that, and the way that uh, Dolph Sweet just looked at him, just completely flat and dry, and just it just the it, they spent just a beat too long. Where I thought it's kind of transcended most of the things in this episode. I thought, oh, they should have had more of that, and then just no. It was just that one. I definitely feel scene. like uh, there was an assistant director on that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it looked like it was in hell. It was peculiar yeah. and strange, that whole sequence, especially that one exchange. And it just made me wish, like, oh, I wanted more of that. This. It's like weirdly, it's weirdly maybe the best scene of the episode, and it's also completely cuttable. Yeah, so, which which is what I liked about it. It's to talk to him at all. It's just kind of to, to get him some FaceTime. Yeah. yeah, but in a very... It's one of those things where you would hope that the two of them had a fun time doing that scene together. <laughs> you know? We're like, time. when they did cut, they were both like, oh, that was good. Like, they were both kind of laughing about it. Yeah. It's one of those things where oh, I, how hope terrifying. That, I hope that they were both laughing about it. I don't know. You've seen Dolph Sweet laughing, though. That sounds awful. Oh, I think that'd be fine. <laughs> it's a it's terrifying a man. A little disturbing on camera. It does, I mean, it, Columbo, that is one of the other things that I, I think makes it so beloved, is the kind of the Muppet show quality of getting to see all of these people in the 70s. And really, uh, you know, Donald Pleasance is such a great example in this mm-hmm. episode. Like, the most magnetic thing about this is watching him yeah. have a good time. Yeah. Yes, and he is, because he knows, so, like, I'm yeah, getting a yeah. check, this is a few days, whatever, I'm just going <laughs> to cut loose and do some really hammy stuff. And I know it's crap, but whatever. So much of TV at that time is just seeing recognizable, you know, it's like the Dean Martin roast. It's just seeing recognizable <laughs> yeah. people. Uh, this is, this is a battle, oh, more, so, battle you're more like a uh, Love Boat. Love Boat is yeah, almost exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, Love Boat is nothing but yeah. those moments. Yes. One of the, one of the, pages of the newspapers I found where I was looking up old Mrs. Columbo reviews, there's the there's a giant I would say it's got to be a sixth of a page ad for the Buck Rogers episode guest starring Gary Coleman. Oh my god. They really invested and those in a number of newspapers, so they put out a wow. lot of cash money to make sure people knew that Arnold was in the 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> Before VCRs, you had to it was an appointment yeah. television, you had to be there. Mm-hmm. Everybody oh, was going to be talking about it the next day. Did you see Arnold on Ooh, He talked to Tweaky. I can't believe it. <laughs> They're the same height. <laughs> I think that's actually the entire premise of that episode, if I remember it right. Oh. It's just that he's about that tall. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry oh to remember it right. <laughs> no, there was a plot, but I mean, like, that was just, like, the whole reason for it ended up being that there, like, it was, the payoff was Tweaky and Gary Coleman being the same height. Did did he play a future kid, or did he get yeah, he was a future, the 20th no. century? They just unfroze <laughs> Gary Coleman. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I don't know. Or maybe there was a time, maybe there was a time warp or something. He got pulled in. Oh, no, but yeah, he's playing a character. <laughs> Charlotte Ray kind of looks into a portal, like, what are you doing, Arnold? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's fallen through time. Yeah. It's called Cosmic Whiz Kid, by the way. He plays a super genius in the future. 
Sure. Oh, whiz kids. Oh, that was heck of a show. Okay. Anyway, here's the summary. You know what? Let's talk about this because that sounds great. Yeah. The president of the <laughs> sure. Why not? The president of the planet Genesia is no ordinary president. He's a 493 year old child genius named Hieronymus Fox. Slam it down, everybody. We're watching Buck Rogers. This sounds <laughs> amazing. That yeah, actually, that's a great in the, he's he's from the 20th century. He developed advanced cryogenics technology. So I was only half wrong. And had Come himself on. frozen before the nuclear holocaust. There you go. This is great. Yeah, okay. there you go. See? We're gonna, I, we're gonna... I could have written television back in the Let's stop this episode. Let's oh. go watch Buck Rogers. We'll All come right. back and talk no, about No, we don't that. have to do that. I, I, think, I think we should start. I think we've wrung this thing out. <laughs> we're clearly really enough. done yeah, talking we're done. about this. So yeah. let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's start going around the room. Uh, final <laughs> thoughts. Your estimation of it. Uh, we'll start with Jennifer. Uh, you, you uh, this is the, this is the first time you, you and Daniel, you've never seen one of these before. No, no. And uh, so, uh, what do you think of this episode and the concept of Mrs. Columbo in general? Well, um, like all of the reviews, I was very, very excited for this going in, and <laughs> I was disillusioned and enraged immediately. So, uh, like politics. So, yeah. Like politics, like sure. voting, yeah. voting and politics. Yeah. So see, it you know what it, it's a tenor of our times. It's it's a, it's an allegory uh, for the times we're living in nowadays. And there we go. But you have to fight for the Columbos and hope for the Columbos. Because <laughs> but even though sometimes you get the Mrs. Columbos, it's I'm not sure what I've got here, but it's, it's, I think I got something. I don't know. Yeah, you, you get up every day and you, you put on your pants and you go out there and maybe it's a Columbo and maybe, maybe it's a Mrs. Columbo that's and right. that's just what life is. <laughs> he was, yeah, he you was live, retiring you live. after 40 years on the force, but they showed him a Mrs. Columbo on his last day. Yeah, yeah, you live through like the 48 minute ones and you hope it's going to be a, a 90 minute day instead, but you never know. Uh, Mr. Kibble Smith, you, uh, your, your thoughts, your impressions, your uh, estimation of it. I mean, it flew by. Uh, Which is I, probably the best you can hope for. That's, a, that's yeah. the best I can say about it. Yeah. Um, I will. I will say that it was very bold. Uh, it was very bold TV making uh, to choose to do uh, a murder mystery show uh, that appeared to be fully improvised. Pleasance <laughs> <laughs> to decide what he would do in any scene and then just right. writing the next scene based on his actions. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, it's not it's not great, guys. No, no it, it feels like it feels yeah. like students work. Uh, it feels like half of a show. Yeah. Or like it's edited together from other things like uh, you know, like uh, 80s anime. Or or uh, early late seventies early eighties NBC, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was not it was not a good time for that network. Yeah, I think like Knight Rider drove by at one point. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't the Mister Smith era, but it wasn't uh, wasn't um, wasn't that great. Um, I can't. Right, so, well, here's a weird thing: of the three of these we've seen. This is probably the best one, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Just because of Kate Mulgrew's performance is better in this one than the other ones we've seen. Um, it's got Donald Pleasant, which is always going to elevate... Uh, well, it's going to elevate most things. Always, it's a big word. It's going to elevate most things. Um, <laughs> I think the fact that uh, you, you folks said that he looks like he's having fun, having a good time in it, I think that 
helps a great deal. Um, but the story is not great. The mystery is not great. But it, it's, I guess it's a damning with faint praise kind of thing. This is the best Mrs. Columbo I've seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> take that, take that as you will. John! Yes, sir. How, how would you rate this one? I'm not going to bother, but I do want to talk oh, about Oh, my! That. What? Whoa, whoa! Don't, don't oh. bother watching it. It's terrible. Oh, dear. But, um, this, oh, I got do you guys papers. remember that old Mike Donahue, Donahue's, Donahue, crikey, Mike Donahue sketch from the first year or two of, of uh, SNL Minute Mysteries? Oh, vaguely. It's a, it's a real hard one. It's like, I, I can't remember. It's like Mike Mendoza, crime photographer, I think is how it starts. Anyway, the opening to Mrs. Columbo always reminds me of that sketch because of the pans over the, the apartment yeah. or the house, and it's all wrecked. It's, and it's, it, it's just that, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then just it's, oh, it's not actually a murder scene. It's just messy because Columbo lives here, though right, you'll never see him. Here. And here are his beloved props. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it and then it fades into a montage of Mrs. Columbo's life, which seems awful. Well, and also it's, like, it's only clips from the pilot episode. True, the entire montage but she's like, it's just oh. clips from the pilot. That's it. Yeah. She's the modern day woman. You know, she's got a career, a child. She picks up after the dog. She irons. She likes vaudeville, and she comes home to an empty bed at night. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I did have. To, I wrote all that down. Um, anyway, no, no, you delivered. You didn't say you delivered it well. I would have thought it was off the cuff. Fair enough. All right. Uh, that's that's the goal. Anyway, yeah, I'm not going to bother rating it because you should not watch Mrs. Columbo. I I thought it was fun to start watching these, but don't mistake that for me thinking any of these are fun. Yeah. Like, I, the we, general we, experience of watching it is fun, but the actual episode is no good. I mean, we've talked about doing another one or two of these, especially later in the run to see how it evolved, yeah. but... I'm okay. I would like to see those where she's like she it, near the end of the run. She's actually got you know they don't mention her last name at all. She's a divorcee. She still has a, a daughter. She gets a love interest or two. Which she is the show date, that this should have been from the start. But yeah, it's from the start. She and and her love interest is a cop, which I'm up oh, in the air about. Really? Yeah, I'm not sure. I like that exactly because it is it's an easy entree to getting her information that's only available to cops. But it would be more interesting if she like was completely divorced from it and still had a reason to go fight crime. You know what? That show I give ten out of ten. But uh, yeah, not this one. Here's the thing: I I would maybe watch that. I'd watch it yeah. on my own and not talk about it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and well, I think if you and, if you and I, I think want to everybody watch it, I'll see if I can find one. Would be fine. I'll, I'll see if I can find an episode. You and I just watch it at our leisure, and then we'll never mention it again. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll do a Skype call sometime. And just talk, avoid it. Talk about that another episode of Bob. Yeah, it'll just be that, and we'll just do that. Oh, yeah. man, Bob. Anyway, sure. sorry. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Well, thank you. Thank you, two folks, uh, for being kind enough to come and talk about this wonderful uh, piece of television history. We um, enjoyed this so much more than the actual episode. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's very, yeah. very kind of you to say. Uh, the both of you, what do you got going on? Whoever wants to go first that uh, folks should be looking out for? Oh, what's going on? I've got uh, another illustrated book coming out this spring. It's oh. called We Came First, Romantic Advice from Women in History. It's like a Dear Abby, but all of the responses are from people like Marie Antoinette or Zelda Fitzgerald. And most of them are pretty bad. Oh, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> I, I, actually, uh, you, you posted recently uh, this wonderful plate uh, that you folks <gasps> oh, got. Yes! Tell, 
Please, if you could, tell people what's on the plate and where they could get one. Because um, that was very fun. Sure, that I know the Etsy seller. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up right here to make sure I can direct people to it. But I was very excited. Uh, we just bought a new place, so I've been trying to assemble uh, lovely sets of china that one day we can pass on to our grandchildren. Oh, sure, of course. And sure. I found one that says, "In this house." We laugh a lot, yeah. love often, and punch every fucking Nazi we see. And I thought, yes, that's that's the message that I want to get on to our grandchildren. And I found it on Etsy. And uh, here we go. It's uh, here we go. The seller is Ruby Road Vintage Wares. Okay. So if people yeah, look like for that, so, and the thing I love about it, it looks like a very, it looks like one of those plates, like one oh, of those no, kind of plates. Oh, they're everywhere. But then, the language is just so incongruous to that sort of thing, the design, that it's just, it's hilarious, and really it's, it's a lovely it's thing. It's surrounded by so, yes. flowers on the border. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, folks, go go look that up. It's a very fun plate. And, uh, yeah, have it, put it up on your chart. It's, it's, it's chart. one of the most yeah. fun plates I've ever seen, to be honest. Out but, of all the know, plates I've I seen. I have more yes. out of yes. anything yes. I've seen. That, <laughs> that long list of plates. Glad we can promote that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Daniel, what are oh, you yeah, what, what do you got going now? Uh, sure. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a writer for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, uh, which airs on CBS at uh, 11.35 uh, Eastern Time. Is that, is that every night? Is that a week? It's a nightly show, right? Is that weekly? Okay. Is that weekly like those uh, week asses over at Conan? It's, it's, it's oh, nightly. Oh, okay, no, good. No, no, yeah, no. Show. Okay, good. It's, it's a strong It's power. a network thing. It's not that basic cable nonsense. No, 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 no. Like Blair it's, it's on. Yeah. It's uh, the Tiffany Network, you guys. Oh, that's right. Of course, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I love a good so. Tiffany Network joke. I yes. will never not laugh. <laughs> uh, and uh, I have uh, some work coming out uh, from Marvel. Uh, I wrote a uh, Lockjaw miniseries that's oh. in paperback now. And uh, I'm writing uh, Black Panther versus Deadpool, which is uh, another miniseries. Uh, and, uh, the second of which uh, comes out, uh, as we're recording this, it comes out on 11 Okay, uh, and uh, that'll be running uh, through uh, through next year. Oh, and, and uh, just today, as we're recording, say you had a, a story in a beloved property from the '90s too, right? We uh, did. This, yes, this new comic day. Uh, I co-wrote uh, with my friend Colin Crawford, also of the Colbert Show, uh, the new uh, Rugrats. C is for Hanukkah special. See that? That's holiday. This will be up going mm -hmm. up around the holidays. So there you go. That's that's something people. It'll still be in your shops and whatnot. So they should look for that. <laughs> Please, please check it out. Oh, and I have, uh, I have a holiday book called Santa's Husband. Oh, of so, course. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah, depending on the time. Uh, yeah. Seasonally, Thanksgiving is coming up soon. Everybody should be buying it. Everybody should be there buying it. There you go. <laughs> Something for everyone. Because you, you can't you can't leave a threatening review on Amazon if you don't buy it. <laughs> yeah, you can. Speaking of which, have you had some of those for your new thing, John, that you'd like to plug? I haven't. I, oh, I thought you meant threatening reviews. No, on that's Amazon. what I did mean. Have you had reviews for? <laughs> no, I had one for the first book though. Somebody got really upset about Doll Man. Um, what, really? Why? Yeah. Why would they get yes. upset about Doll Man? <clears throat> Do you want to know the whole you're, story? You're, you're, you're two inch. Yeah. You're, you're two inch man yeah. shaming. That's what it is. I Mrs. Columboed this because the guy was. I, he was so angry. I had to look it up. And he has a. He has a career. A hustle. I don't know writing uh, erotica about giant women stepping on tiny men. Oh, so I'm afraid he, he determined he of determined course. that Dollman being in that book was kink shaming, I guess. All right. 
Oh, I was yeah. joking when I said that, and okay. Okay, yeah. Um, there's a man online right now who is convinced that I stole his cat in real life. His what? His, his what? Uh, he, his I believe cat? he lives in L.A. His, his uh, cats. Yeah. His they, oh, cats. He's oh, cats. He's an unwell person, but he has a long, uh, long Twitter stream directed to me. That hmm. I have broken in and stolen his cat. He's probably one of our regular listeners. I'm just going to assume. <laughs> yeah, because that so seems about our demo- That seems like our demographic. This really. is a safe space to say it. I did. So. I'm proud of it. Yep. It's great. I'm yeah. holding a ransom. Good. Yeah, <laughs> they'll never catch you. You know what? They'll we don't want know. people to be ashamed of who they are. We want people to be proud of who they are. So thank you, Jennifer, for, <laughs> for... <laughs> being a cat. Uh, I'll say. Uh, Anyway, yeah, the Legion oh, of Regrettable yeah. Sidekicks. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. forgot. Right. Also, I'm I'm watching Legends of Tomorrow. If you want to tweet me about how good that show is, I I stopped watching it the first season, but I keep hearing it's good. I keep hearing it's second season on. It's great, and they literally yeah. burn Nazis alive. So, Gurf, you know, I, I, I hear it's like goofy, fun stuff, and I know they're doing an Else Worlds thing. What yes. for their big crossover? Last year they up? did Crisis on Earth X. Before that, they did I Invade. saw part of that because I, I watched. I don't know why, but I still watch the Flash from time to time. But yeah. Um, that's what you All right, so new podcast. Better. Here we go. Yeah, there we go. I think there's probably already ten of those, but yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you everyone for coming to this, um, talking about this thing. And uh, that's a show for this time around. Uh, if you want it, we're winding down towards the end, but you can still follow us on Twitter and Tumblr or JMT Podcast. If you like to follow uh, what we're posting of other folks' stuff, our own things. John posts on Tumblr, uh, screen grabs, and further thoughts about the episode. So that's a fun thing to follow. Um, if you want to write to us as we're uh, winding things down, tell us how great we're doing or tell us what we're completely missing out on. Uh, Columbo at the citydesk.net. Uh, if you want to listen to other episodes, uh, we're on all of your streaming uh, podcast services. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on whatever the hell it is people follow on Google. I don't know. Uh, but we're there at, as well as jmtpodcast.com. Uh, Get all of our past episodes. <coughs> That's it. That's have a lozenge. That's it. Um, uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time with an actual Columbo episode. I swear to God, and it's going to be a lot less of a long wait than this one was. Uh, we got three '90s ones left. One of them is George Went, and if you go through and look at the rest, you'll know what the other two are, and that'll be one of them. Um, uh, but that's it. I'm R.J. White. I'm not going to stop talking. Do you know why? Because nobody's listening. Everybody dumped off after 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Of course. Nobody, do you guys want to just leave it recording? We'll all sign off and just keep recording. Make it like a 40-hour episode. Sure, yeah. Oh, sure. oh we'll, do, okay. we'll do We'll do. We'll do. Uh, we'll do the viewer mail now because of that. Yeah. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Oh, it's time to answer our viewer mail. Folks who write to us at Columbo at thecitydesk.net. Uh, we like getting your correspondence and answering them when we can. Our first letter comes from Jim Allen. What method and gear slash software do you guys use for recording? I know you're in different parts of the country. Yes, Philadelphia and Seattle. And a friend and I are planning on starting a podcast under similar circumstances. It better not be a Columbo podcast, first of all. We'll sue you into the grave. <laughs> we had the rights on this for uh, decades. Um, it, it's not really a huge uh, deal. On my end, uh, I've got a, a mic. It's a, a blue snowball. It's an old one. Uh, it's recording on a computer uh, via Skype. Uh, John and I Skype in together. Our, um, 
uh, guests, we can go over to them Skype. That way we can use either the uh, phone numbers or just use their direct Skype account. And I use this, th- uh, this thing, program called Call Recorder. I think it's still available. If you do a Google search for it, it'll show up. It was like uh, 15 bucks when I got it uh, like two podcasts ago. Uh, like ages, but they give you free updates and everything. But yeah, it just records it to an audio file directly on your computer, and then I just pull that into um, uh, GarageBand, pretty much. But you could use Audacity, some other audio editing program, and that's pretty much it. That's what I used to throw in the music. Uh, we don't actually have the music live as a recording, so everyone has to kind of pretend they've heard the interstitial stuff and the uh, bed music. Uh, but yeah, that that's worked out pretty well the last few years. At least that's why mine. Uh, John, what do you use on your end to do all this? A uh, computer, and I look at it and uh, talk into a microphone. There you go. See, yeah, it's, that's I, I have a I have a snowball mic, and I've I've just got a pair of um, uh, skull candies. It's real low tech over here because RJ yeah. does all the hard work. Well, no, I mean it's it's not it's <clears throat> it's dragging files into things and doing levels, <laughs> um, and then yeah, just in um, GarageBand. I'm sure this is really everybody wants to know this. Jim's saying like I didn't need to know that much. Why are you keep Why are you talking about everything? But yeah, just um, GarageBand, just the standard settings for exporting to an MP3, then just upload it to a server, and then we use uh, WordPress for the website itself and to host the files. And there we go. That's the whole deal. Anyone can do this. <laughs> why would you? Um, yeah. What's our next letter, John? Uh, our next letter comes from Brian Fikett. I hope it's Fikett. Fikett. Could be anything. Fikett sounds pretty good. Sure. If it's not Fikett, Brian, consider going with Fikett. Columbo. Fikett sounds less filthy. It does. Yeah. Uh, you never know who's been ficking anyway. Exactly. Uh, Columbo is McNulty is the title of his email. If you've seen The Wire, and RJ, have you seen The Wire? I've seen three episodes, but I know who McNulty is, so yes. Oh, good. So you know who he's talking about. Yes. Uh, so Brian's description here, natural police. He gets the scent and won't let it go. I'm sure he's just as irritating to the bosses because those arrests will have political implications. But he knows the paperwork, too. The cases are tight because he gets his warrants. He's getting witnesses grand juried. He usually has a team of detectives doing who knows what other kind of legwork. That is true in the later Columbo's. He's got a small team. Doesn't really care about other types of crime. Even his own. Wait, I guess Columbo does actually. We've talked about this before. Columbo commits a shit ton of crimes. Right. Because he's murder police, but he's not as self-destructive. Odd characteristics that arise in his life, the vagueness of his home life and and so on. So he goes on, he actually makes kind of a a very convincing case, and then adds that since Columbo is a more wholesome character, maybe he just holds it together better, or he's just older and he's found his peace. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, it's kind of a nice... uh, We talk about the the early days of uh, Frank Columbo every now and again, and what he must have been like as a youngster versus... Right, you said like New York, how he came... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, this is fine. Every theory about him I love. So this is great. I like this a lot. I like the idea of actually Columbo maybe having a self-destructive spe- uh, streak in his early days. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, you've definitely mm. talked about that before. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wish I had seen more of The Wire. I still haven't gotten around to it yet. It's one of those things. Um, well, you know, it's yeah. it's frequent. TV critics frequently call it the absolute worst show that has ever been on television. Oh, I'm so, sure, yes. Everybody yeah, hates, yeah, yeah. Everyone hates well, The Wire. It. Yeah. Yeah, David Simon cannot get arrested. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, are there any? Um, I don't know. I popped it in my head just now, but uh, Deadwood. You're, I, I've, I've seen it all the way through. I recently rewatched um, the pilot, and it's been a long time since I've seen the entire series. You're more of a, a devotee scholar, if you will, of Deadwood <laughs> yeah. than I am. Any parallels? Any characters on Deadwood with Columbo? 
That's an interesting question. Well, the uh, the the primary figure of law that you see on Deadwood is um, Timothy Oliphant's character, right. uh, who is just a crazy asshole. Yeah. So no. Yeah, I don't think I so. I would say if there's any character on the show who shows the dogged determination and slow-paced quality and hides behind an imperceptible character, hmm. uh, it's Joni Stubbs. Oh. Because I'm thinking very specifically about when she is confronted by Hearst's man, who is going to kill a bunch of prostitutes by the end of this uh, spoiler alert. Although, is there ever a spoiler it's, alert? It's been anyway. gone for a long time, yeah. It's super fun, <clears throat> um, yeah. I mean, they're doing a movie now, hopefully. Knock on wood. Which Hearst yes, is going to be in, for crying out loud. Yeah. Oh. Well, he he survived. So. Well, I know, but still, it's like they brought him <laughs> back. I, yeah, anyway, sorry. Oh, I could see that. That's, though, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Kim Dickens, I think, is the actress's yes, name? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, she is. Okay. Our final letter comes from Ryan Doom. Great name. Yeah, I, I, had, a, I had a dentist one time. Uh, his name was Al Fear. Alf what? Al Fear. The wow. dentist's name was Al Fear. It was like, oh, okay, that's great. That's... Uh, when I was five years old, my pediatrician's name was Dr. Butts. <laughs> I've never forgotten that. <laughs> anyway, Ryan Doom. Wait, anyway, Ryan Doom. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. Just a quick note, I only recently discovered your podcast. I thoroughly dig it. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, what stinks is the end seems to be near. Eh. <laughs> if you decide... <laughs> you, do it, you do it four years. You see if it stinks or not. You decide to continue on. May I, if you decide to continue on, may I suggest that you're revisiting the episodes a la James Bonding huh, or diving into another vintage series like Kojak or Magnum? Just another unwanted suggestion, no <laughs> doubt. No, no suggestion is unwanted. I, we don't know what's going on next. I don't yeah. know. I think... Um, <clears throat> We've me, talked about a couple good ideas. Yeah, there's one that I like that would involve uh, doing more crime shows... Uh, we've talked about things about uh, specific programs. Haven't really cited yet uh, for 2019. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think there'd be a, maybe a bit of time. Yeah, yeah, because we need more time off from taking like <laughs> eight month breaks in between episodes for this one. You know what I mean, though. Um, I don't know. We haven't quite decided yet, but I think uh, there's a couple ideas. Uh, we could maybe do yeah. something else as a follow up. Um, I like the crime you... genre a lot. Though. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's they've got a couple good possibilities there. Yeah. Um, my thing is that it's really just the format of the show that I want to make sure we keep because I really like where we bring on friends and acquaintances or people we we follow online and have suckered into appearing on the show. Right. But there's like it's a casual conversation, but also we get into sometimes facetious, but but usually pretty decent uh, criticism of narrative structures or or uh, character design. Right, or just even just about what other cultural things around it. Not nearly sure. anything as deep as the um, um, the Hold My Order. Um, oh yeah, yeah, terrible dresser, terrible dresser podcast. They were great. By the way, Ryan, if you need something else to listen to, there's yeah, listen to that three series. And that's such a good podcast. Yeah, Hold My Order, terrible dresser. They did. They went into um, all the seasons of uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. And you think like, what? Okay, no, they. Got into the, the politics of the time, the culture of the time, all sorts. Yeah, that that's a thing. Do go to that deal. That that's a that's an excellent show to go into. Um, 
for for some sort of like kind of recap podcast that's a lot more to it than you think would be for that program go to those folks that's a gold standard they're they're excellent at that sort of thing over there yeah and they and they actually uh, finished it like five years before we were able to finish our thing so yes yeah um so they have more stick-to-itiveness than we do over here and um, three people that's true. I also would like the idea of doing something that's not tied into one TV show, perhaps. Sure. So that yeah, you we can talked about doing some themes. Go in and out, uh, so you can have. It would lend itself a bit more to taking the breaks uh, once in a while. It wouldn't be so jarring. Like, hey, you got like five more of these things. Come on, where is it? Pop it up, boys. You're like, oh well, they didn't do it because they're not doing an entire series. So I don't know. Yeah, because we're hearing about that all the time. The media, the press. Why isn't JMT Podcast finished up? What? America, they're on tenterhooks. They don't wow. know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, we, we there's vague irons in the fire, I guess. I don't know. We can we can talk about it some other time. We know we're going to do... Uh, you're tentatively planning, everybody, on doing an episode where just RJ and I talk about Columbo before we close the door, but we can talk about our ideas then and see if people have some good ones. In fact, if you've got a good idea... For Actually, everything. yes. Yes, you're the puppet masters. <laughs> start, start pulling those strings, kids. And you we'll know dance. what? If you're, if you're fire, one of the fire people, at the saloon floor. We'll start to just tap dancing. If uh, if you're one of the folks who, for some reason, listens to our show, even though you wildly loathe it, and us, and there's not many of you, but feel free to give us incredibly demeaning, insulting suggestions. I know you kind of want to. I know you want to say like, "Oh, you should you should do Kojak," but stop with the. And then you're going to give me a list of all the stuff we shouldn't do anymore. Right. Go ahead, get it off your chest. We're leaving in five episodes. You're not going to have another opportunity. Or, or so. tell us, or tell us, yeah, we should. Uh, yeah, no, no, go ahead. People would love if you did like a, a yeah. small wonder podcast. Like, oh, okay, you're right. We should. Yeah, sure. We'll make That's that commercial viable. We'll make small wonder work. Out of this world? Oh, sure, I love that. We'll make it work. Saturday mornings. Uh, afternoons. I don't know. You ever see that one, uh, Out of This World? Syndicated. Was that the one? Burt Reynolds was the alien dad or something? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Doug McClure was like uh, the goofy next door. Oh, that's right. Doug McClure. Damn. And it was like a, it was like a glowing uh, uh, pyramid or diamond or something that the girl would talk to her. Uh, oh. Yeah. So what do you guys, what do you think, Oof. guys? You want to hear a podcast like this every week? RJ and me talking about our vague memories of shows that don't exist anymore. <laughs> there you go, everybody. Uh, it's, it's Entertainment Wonderland, the internet. Thanks. <laughs>